Cross the Streams Podcast, Season 6, Kip's here. Uh, flawed and Uncut Series, I started this for the season because I think there's times where I just, I'd like to be vulnerable and authentically me and my thought partner today that I end up in text threads with a lot. Coach Asim is with me. Coach, reintroduce yourself to the Cross the Streams in audience. What's going on, Cross the Streams fans? This is Asim Rastogi. I am an assistant coach. Uh, assistant women's basketball coach at Brandeis University, as well as the co-founder of Essential Coaching and a managing partner of Playmakers League. Uh, so just heavily involved in hopefully all the right things and, and love to be on with you, Kip. Man, I was thinking of you, specifically the Playmakers League hat that you wear, right? Because I was at my wife is coaching my daughter's seventh grade spring travel team. And you know how I've seen you on many Twitter threads and we've talked about youth development in the game. Right, and mm-hmm. they won yesterday, seventy-four to eight, fifty-eight to four, and I think forty-six to twenty. And that is not because, and my wife's listening. I, I appreciate you the great effort you're doing, but it's not because you guys are UConn talent-wise. I think it has more to do with the structure we do with the youth, right? So, could you? Ex- I'm going to give you the platform and explain Playmakers League because I was in a gym, I was in a warehouse, and people love hoops, which is awesome. We love hoops, right? But there's 10 girls playing 5-on-5 in a 78-8 game. And there's 10 other girls playing 5-on-5 in a 62-20 to game. And all I could think about was 3-on-3 at four baskets rotating in on makes and misses and people getting touches. But you go ahead. Just you, I'm going to give you the floor because we could do this better. We could do this development so much better. Because it, it really wasn't development yesterday. And I'm not blaming anybody in the gym. We all love the game. But the structure we're trying to do this in is just, it's just wrong. So, Kip, I'm going to tell you a story that will help explain why Playmakers League is the answer. So, about a month ago now, yeah, a little bit over a month ago, it was like March 13th or something, uh, I had the opportunity to work with a company called Select Events. I think they operate events out where you are too, uh, definitely in California, but they're a national company. But up here in the Northeast, they do a lot with Division Two, Division Three, some Division One recruiting type events and. We ran this, uh, it was a sort of a hybrid event. They were calling it the select tour. So it was all these kids that had been invited. So top, you know, middle schoolers, ninth graders, all the way up to juniors. So it was like seventh grade to 11th grade. And we had sectioned them off on seven courts. And when I was talking to the director of select events for the Northeast region, her name's Angela Santa Fe. She was a former Division Three head coach at Regis College up here in, uh, I think it's in Newton, uh, Massachusetts, right down the street from Brandeis. And we got to talking probably in like January, where she sort of pitched this idea to me and she wanted college coaches to come and work the event. And Kip, you and I have been at at these events, especially the showcase type events, where kids are just put on a team and they go play five on five and they do quote unquote skill work. And the skill work is like 15 minutes of drop steps. Yep. And then the kid never does a drop step in the game, but hey, we got our reps in. Or jab step from the nail. Jab, step, crossover from the nail. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, 100%. Right? We're not teaching, like, anything, really. We're just, like, doing technique work and thinking that that's skill development. So I say all that part. When Angela and I had first talked, I was like, hey, listen, we're we're starting or we're reinvigorating the Playmakers brand. Here's what we do. We will take an hour, and we're going to do seven different segments for seven minutes each. And we're going to teach for two total minutes. So you put two minutes on the clock, I will guarantee you I'll be done teaching in those two minutes. And then they're going to disperse to baskets. 
each college coach that's there working it. So there are probably like 20 of us at this event. And each one had a basket, maybe they doubled up, and they had a group of like 12 kids. And with those 12 kids, we were able to build from one, from first from a transition trap game that we, you know, it's like called basketball tag, uh, where they're just trying to tag the other team with the ball. It's a, it's a hoot. Like, I'll send you the link if you want to put it in the show notes. I made a little highlight video of that whole day. You had me at tag. Um, I'm all in. Anything yeah, with tag, I'm in. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. So, so we started with that, and then we go into like a one-on-one games, and then two-on-two, and then three-on-three, and it's all structured for you know different rules. So we put different constraints on it, and all of this is taking place within this first hour of the day. So immediately, this is a totally different event than anything any kid's ever been to, than anything any of these college coaches have ever been to. And so you see like there's this sort of the like one generation of college coaches that is like showing up They're in the they got their coffee. They're just kind of sitting there watching, but they're not really like taking it in. But the coaches that are of a different level or sort of different ideal, they're looking at this like, holy crap, this is awesome. I'm getting to see these kids make decisions. I'm getting to see these kids actually see if we can learn or not. And you would not be, you would not believe, Kip, we had over 160 girls at this event. And all of them were engaged start to finish. So we take that first hour and we are, we're running through our curriculum. So I had sort of handpicked some of the things from our curriculum. There's three different levels of so Playmakers 1, 2, and 3. We're starting Playmakers Pro next year, which is for kids who kind of want a higher level understanding like the X's and O's too behind 3 on 3. Some of the more popular sets, being able to play out of horns, things like that. And there's also foundations, which is more of a curriculum for like elementary PE teachers to teach how to move and things like that. So it's sort of like holistic development through three on three. So then the second hour of that day of the select tour, we played a full on three on three tournament using our Playmakers League rules. So we're not checking it up at the top of the key. We are taking it out of bounds. So you get scored on, you're taking it out of bounds on the baseline. You got to get it in get it behind the three-point line, and now we're playing. Um, and each game was like seven minutes long. They had a three-minute break in between to rotate courts to find the teams that they were going to be playing against. And they played within that hour each team. And, and for the older kids, we had like 24 teams. For the ninth graders, I think we had 16. And then for the middle schoolers, I think we had 30 or something. And um, each, each team played between three and four three-on-three games within that hour. It's, and they were able to watch, and they were able to get tons and tons and tons of reps. Um, and then the five-on-five, five, in fact, the, the feedback that we got from that event was twofold. One, people were telling the director, hey, we want to play one less five-on-five five game. Because they played three five-on-five five games after that. And the kids were just gassed. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, the, the benefit for that third five-on-five five game wasn't there. Right. And then the other, the other feedback I got, I had a mom that emailed me and said, my daughter has been playing in XYZ Elite AAU Club for years. We've transferred to a different school now for her to chase her basketball dreams. And in all caps, she said, but wow, the drills and stuff that you did at the Select Tour, that's what my daughter needs. How can we get more involved? Um, and so I think people recognize a great product when they see it. I think people recognize a great experience when they see it. And so to those kids that are you know playing in that 64 to 20 five-on-five basketball game where the majority of that game is played between the arcs. Yep. Um, and it's sort of like youth soccer where they're just clumping around the ball. Yep. Um, yep. I would say Playmakers is absolutely far and away 
the best option for your development. It's uh, I'm thinking about how you, in your story, like the amount of touches and decisions each child actually got to do and got to be a part of, rather than in the five on five full court, like you mentioned, the ball's either way ahead of them or way behind them. Mm-hmm. They haven't touched it in their four minute rotation, and here come the subs. And this, and I, you know, I'm seeing timeouts, and I've been there before too, getting blown out, and the answer's not on the whiteboard. Even at the college level, right? The answer is not on the whiteboard and drawing more. Um, I, I just this it, it's a good it's a good uh, intro story for what I wanted to talk about in general because you and I are always texting about either the ill, sometimes the good in the world, but we're always curious and thinking about better, better, bigger, not even bigger, just better ways to accomplish things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we had connected when I was at the I think you were at a recruiting event. It might have been this one or after this one, and I was at the convention. And I just yeah. where do where do we start here with our with the industry we both exist in coaching hoops, right? I don't. I mean, we both agree curiosity is a superpower. I, I think the stuff you and Kyle do with essential coaching and your rock a flow of of how to go. I might have let you you know kind of tell people what the RAC or what the racket chat is. Um, but I'm just in these settings where we're supposed to be growing as coaches, and I don't know if we're either. It's the setup and it's not correct, or it's our buy-in as coaches, I just always leave those things wanting more, and maybe it's because I'm you know, I'm, I'm ignoring the fact that I'm a D, at a D3 institution that allows me to try to think about growing rather than climbing, right? I'm trying to grow my craft and be better here because I'm secure in my job, when maybe a lot of the people at higher levels are trying to climb because their job isn't stable because the win-loss matters more at upper levels. I don't know, so I don't want to... I'm not trying to put a halo on my head like I know how to I'm, – I'm coming from such a altruistic place compared to others, but I just don't know if we grow at these things. I don't know where a lot of folks go for their growth. And I love you and Kyle because you're always challenging. Like I'm sure after yesterday, the Wolves beat the Grizzlies, right, in Memphis in game one. And I'm sure somebody decided it was the Ram entry that they should steal into a stagger away is why they won. Right, and that's the easiest thing for somebody to journal write down. That's what that's what we need. But go, you know, start in there. How how are we getting better at this job? Like, wh- where are people? What are the maybe like the shortcomings of what we're doing, or where we need to go to get better at it? At it. So, coach, t- how do we do this better? What what are your thoughts on? You can start wherever you want. Reflection. How are we as coaches? Where where what are we? Where are we missing the mark on growing? So I think. You know, it's it's funny. Like I've known that we're gonna we were gonna take this for like weeks. Yeah. And I still feel wholly unprepared to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because there's just like so many moving parts to it that I like, I think number one, it has to start with what it is we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So like, I think the old model of going to a clinic and everybody sitting there watching one coach just do something right i think there's like minimal marginal value in doing that right right i've picked up like little things here and there that have been helpful like i think the best clinic i ever went to though happened as a part of a larger symposium through felicia hall allen and and yes um, yes probably one of the best experiences a coach can have great plug i've sent assistants to that step up and they loved it great plug yeah, no, they're phenomenal. Like, I think Felicia is one of the best in the business at what she does. But I think, too, that's sort of like a one-off thing, right? Yeah. You're going to go for a few days, you're going to network, you're going to meet some people, and you're actually going to feel good about the fact that you've learned something because it's actual tangible stuff you can take back and apply to your program. 
I just remember like going to clinics though, and you know whoever was there, whether Steve Fisher from, you know, what was it? Where did he? He was ended up at he ended at San Diego State, but he was at Michigan. Yep, that's what it was. I was thinking. I knew it was SDSU, and I was like blanking on what SD actually stood. Um, you know, whether it was, you know, anybody, Roy Williams, any of these, Bob Huggins, any of these big name blue blood type coaches, they're talking about how, you know, oh, I use my six, nine center here and I got a yep. footer over there. I'm like, how is that applicable to anybody in this room? We right. all coach at high schools. We all coach at small colleges, whatever it is. Right. We don't have the luxury of having who you have. And so I think that part is first, like, what are we trying to accomplish? Because right now the model that we use as coaches for professional development is, is archaic. And quite frankly, it just reinforces old outdated and and harmful ideas about what growth actually means like i don't think anybody needs and maybe this is a controversial statement you can feel free to disagree with me i don't think any coach needs any more things in their quote-unquote bag or toolbox right until they've cleaned out that bag oh great that's a great Um, metaphor for it because yes because even if you put something new and shiny in your box that's like tried and true tested all the other stuff you've kept in there is going to scratch it up and ruin it anyway right a hundred percent i think like that the other part is like i'll use another sort of metaphor another sort of way of, of visualizing this like you know we were talking before we came on air here like we just we're doing work at the house and we're you know messing with the grass and we're refinishing tables and all of this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, like we use the same like five tools for everything, Mm. right? Like we don't need a million new gadgets and toys and stuff like that. I mean, you might need a new paintbrush because you're mixing colors or whatever, but like you don't need the newest, latest, greatest air spraying, you know, paint gun to refinish a table. Like you don't need that. Right. And so when we're, we're also looking at basketball, like we teach, people right we teach people how to take one orange thing and put it through another orange thing and stop the other team from doing the same thing yep right that's all we do and so we don't need a million and a half different ways to do that which is all this is becoming is hey i'm gonna get on this zoom and you know get more x's and o's and i'm gonna learn how to do this out of horns and i'm gonna do you know i don't know how to do this and like incorporating flex i mean you like playbooks and all of yep. this stuff like you don't need any of that stuff is that because inventory is it because we're hesitant to reflect on the other stuff you know like we're are we yes. are we scared that you know what it's not is it easier to say well the problem is my playbook or you know i know a lot a lot of people will start well, well i don't have good enough talent they'll start there and blame the kids then they'll go to it's the plays it's the schemes instead of maybe monday through friday on the practice floor I'm a really poor communicator. Maybe I'm not a great teacher. 99% of the time, that's what it is. Right? Yeah. 99% of the time, that's what it is. So let's take your, let's take your wife's team, for example. Right? Yeah. Her, her youth, her was seventh grade, right? Yeah. What a, offensively, what are they doing? They're probably just running past you. Yep. Right? Yes. Like they're, they're just more athletic. Yes, my you. daughter has the ball going fast, and she has two wings that are also fast, and they're gone. Yep. Yet, when we get to a quote-unquote higher level, we aren't emphasizing, we're not prioritizing speed anymore. 
were not prioritizing the connection that your daughter and those two wings have where they know where each other are going to be because we're trying to institutionalize and we're trying to standardize what we're what we're doing so hey we got to run the play this way to ensure that we get this result well if my team and your team athletically are the same maybe that might be the edge but i would bet you that the edge is actually going to be how they relate to each other Uh because if my team and your team are the same athletically we're probably not though the same skill wise right so what's our skill level and what's our connection and how healthy are we in that athleticism so we could be the most athletic team in the world i could see you get off the bus and be like oh my god they're so athletic they're going to run us out of the gym and then four of their players are sitting over there they don't even play yeah, right? yeah. So what ends up happening is there's so many more moving pieces that deal with relationships, that deal with the human component, that deal with understanding who we have in the room and what they're capable of. And oftentimes we don't give credit for what people are capable of because we're trying to make them do what we want them to do. Right. What we think is going to help them work. What Bob Huggins showed at that clinic, what Steve Fisher showed at that clinic. Right. And what we saw Coach K in his playbook that somebody put together is 856 pages, like tag retweet. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. That, that stuff is not going to help you win games consistently. Right. You know, so like we, I, we use a phrase like we always want to try to win in the, in the smallest ways possible, right? Stack those wins, stack the deck in our favor. All that other stuff might help you win one time. Right. We want to win consistently. And what helps you win consistently is the consistency of your positive habits, which is your character. So instead of us focusing on all of this other stuff to add, we need to first be able to become consistent at the things we know we want to be able to do well. Right. Right. And so I think there's there's no clinic that's going to tell you how to do that. That is you reflecting, being aware of who's in the room, of what the effect is you have on other people. Right, getting clarity about what exactly it is those people need from you and what you need from those people, and then everybody being in alignment so that ultimately we can achieve success, which is really congruent. So did we do what we said we were going to do when we said we were going to do it? Do you so think right there's... There the I, do you think there's... Is some of this has to do with ours, and I'm putting myself in this boat too, the ego involved with us as coaches, and I, you know, you'd like to assume great intentions for everybody getting into the game, but sometimes you get in because you you can't play it anymore, but you're still competitive, and it's easier to claim part of that win on the scoreboard if it was your play, than if it was you ceding the leadership of the team to the voices in the room, and really you're just a you're a cog in the wheel. You're no longer well. They're not going to recognize me as Coach K. Unless it's my ball screen defense, unless it's my, you know what I mean. Instead of what we, what it is, is like you mentioned, stacking little wins on Tuesday afternoons and a great sit down with your center. That's harder to claim as you, like oh, but not. And I'm not saying I haven't been part of that. Like we all have egos, and I'd like to claim my out of bounds play. Oh my gosh, if we hadn't run that, we'd have totally lost. But it really was the fact that we had an open line of communication with those two this week, and they played free this week and played better. But I think, is that part of it? Yeah, have you guys seen in the works? I know you guys are always challenging coaches. You're challenging coaches weekly, every Monday. Get on Twitter. Follow the EC Rocket Chat right away. And they're challenging some of these paradigms. One of the things I love Kyle puts on there every week when there's a big game. Well, they wanted it more first. 
then that team wanted it more. That's one of my favorites ever. Because we love to default to that too. Like, well, the kids just didn't want it tonight. You know, me screaming and yelling, and I, I clearly wanted it because I was over the edge. I had no control of myself at all. It's because I wanted it so bad. But I do think our ego gets in the way. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that could be its own podcast in and of itself, right? About right. The coach's ego, and I think the detrimental, the the detriment that sports commentating has brought. Oh, great point. Profession. Yeah. So I think, and because I don't think a lot of that is necessarily coach speak. I think a lot of that is like media speak, uh-huh. where coaches are talking to the media and being like, "Oh yeah, you know, our kids just wanted it more. What else are they supposed to say?" Right, right. Like I think, but but those things become part of the lexicon, and then when that becomes part of the lexicon, we attribute success to those easy to define things, like or not easy to define, because I don't think it's easy to define what wanting it more actually means, right? But I think like it's things that you can just latch onto. And so then that becomes part of the ego of like, I made them play that hard. I inspired them by yelling at them during practice or making them run a lot or this, that, and the other. Well, like every time that goes well for one coach, it doesn't go well for nine other coaches. So what's their excuse? Right. right? So what is, what are those nine other coaches saying about why their team didn't win or why their team didn't perform at an optimal level? Right, or right. those nine winning coaches that beat those nine coaches that did the exact same thing that that one coach did. Right. Right. What are those nine winning coaches saying about why their teams won? Right. I, I just think that there's so much more to it than what I drew up at a timeout or what I said to them in the six minutes that we stayed inside at, at halftime and X's and O, and, you know, X did O on the board. Like none of that stuff really moves the needle. What moves the what moves the needle towards efficacy is belief. Mm-hmm. Like I have a confidence and a belief in my ability to be successful, in my ability to improve, and so my improvement is not going to come from you yelling at me. My improvement is kind of going to come from me being aware of what I need to improve at and how to do that. Like I have clarity in exactly the pathway towards improvement. The so going forward, if you were the czar of the game, right? Would it, and you mentioned, it's not the, it wouldn't even be you, let's say it was you, there was an ECF clinic. It's, that's probably not the best way either. Even if you and Kyle stood up there with the best Prezi presentation ever, that's not the model you would use if you were in charge of development for coaches, would it? Right? No, I, I wouldn't be. And actually, it's funny you say that. We actually just had our second birthday on Friday. And so one of the things we sent out in our, in our email communication for our birthday was that we are going to have a live event in the Northeast um, in the fall. Okay. But I've made sure to put in the email, like, this is going to be an anti-clinic. Like, there's not going to be just passive, like, sit here and, and hopefully learn something through us. Right, like, right. You're going to be directly involved. Yeah. Because um, I think that's the way to do it. Yep. Right? I think they have so many of these things at the final four where you just like sit there and and listen and you like take in information through a fire hose and then you just have this collection of information yes what are you supposed to do with it right right and that's where the rocket the rocket pathway really comes in like you have to be able to sort through your bag sort through your toolbox sort through your notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of stuff and know yourself first about what's actually going to work for you and what's not. 
right? I think the biggest shift for, for coaches that we work with, especially in essential coaching, is literally just terminology. Uh, and I yeah. even hear this feedback from some of our players. Like uh, we had lunch with a couple of our players the other day. Uh, we're doing this thing called challenge chat. One of our players made that up where myself and our other assistant coach, like, we just go to the dining hall and we swipe in and eat with them. Uh, okay, um, gotcha, yeah. You know, and it's been, it's been great. We've only done it once, but like we were talking about sort of the, the unique value proposition of our program. And one of the things that one of our rising senior captains talked about, she said like the simplicity of our language makes us more competitive. Mm. Give me an example. And, Give me an example of the simplifying the language. So when we use, for example, our essential elements of so sprint, space, seek, and shot selection, okay. those, that is proprietary to me and then proprietary to EC. So that is something that I created after learning it from a mentor of mine down in Virginia. And then I, condition, I recondition it just like we're doing at this table. And I use my own tools to sharpen it. Okay. And now this is what we do in our program at Brandeis. Right, so yeah. this simplicity of language of both sides of the ball, offense, defense, special teams, whatever, right? Sprint space, seek shot selection. And then there's terminology within that, right? So we know where we're trying to improve. So it's no longer like, oh, what do I need to work on to play? It's like one of these four right. categories. Right, right. We define good shots as X. We define bad shots as X. We want synergy on both sides of the ball. So if we are shooting sevens and nines, we want to prevent that from the other team, make them shoot threes and fives. If we can if we can do that more than they do that to us, we're probably going to win the game. Right. Right. So this simplicity of like understanding the mission, yeah. that's really what she was talking about. And so I think like coaches who want to go out, they want to go to the final four, have a good time, do, the, do that, like enjoy it. But you have to have an, a way to sort through all of that stuff. Yeah, I love where you said sharpen it, sharpen it, sharpen your t sharpen it for your toolbox. I love that. Yeah. Because otherwise, you, you do. You just end up with a folder, a folder. You have a folder of stuff. It could all be. Let's say it's all great. It's all great stuff, but it just sits there. Where does it live? How does it breathe into your program at all? If not, like if you don't have, if you don't. Yeah, I like that. It's almost like each one of those from a like a, even a small step. Like, hey, we debriefed. We all watched this clinic from a guy that went to the Sweet 16. So he has credit, he has credit with all of us because he won, right? So we all decide we should listen. But then after he talks, here's the 17 rooms in this convention center where you get to go sit down and actually think if that works for your team or not. And how does it work for your team? Why do you think it works for your team? And actually do something in that realm rather than, well, here's the next speaker. He also went to the Sweet 16. He's going to talk about this X's and O's and not tell you at all how he got to picking that X's and O's and putting it in with his guys. He's going to run it with his Juco team that's been sitting on the sidelines cold and walk through it for 45 minutes. Right. And I think the majority of that time really is just them telling stories. Yes. Right. Isn't that, isn't that what it is? Right. And if they're funny, I listen and stay. Right. If they're not, I move yeah. on. Yeah. You know, and that's nice. It's nice to have some of that passed down from, you know, generation to generation coach to coach but that's not why you pay right to go to these events right you want to be able to be involved in your own learning i mean it's the same yeah way like treat our own students right we don't want our students to just sit there and like passively hear us talk for two hours 
right? We right. Want, we want them to be involved in their learning. I mean, at least I hope you do. Right. right? If you if you're listening to this podcast and you're not somebody who wants your your players or as I would say, there's you know your students or your learners to actually be engaged in what's going on, then you probably should pick a new profession. Yep. Because it's not about you. Right. Right. But I think the majority of coaches, and this sort of goes back to the ego question that you asked, like. The majority of coaches just want to hear their own voice. Uh, right? Yeah. And they want, and they want to. If if something's going to be funny, it's going to be at the expense of somebody else. Uh, uh-huh. And I think that is where the toxicity in our game, and the toxicity in our profession, and sort of this like, and it doesn't matter, male, female, indifferent. Right. It doesn't matter. Um, that that toxicity in our game, where real learning is not the focus. Right. And joy is not the focus. Right. Is pervasive, especially within D3, where, you know, you and I both know there's there's very little, now I wouldn't say it's very little pressure to win, but I think, like, it's different. Yeah, it's different. playing on TV every night. Right. Right? Like, I think there's coaches that stay around for a long time. I think there are ingrained habits within athletic departments that exist because nobody is challenged that status quo right and i think more and more i would hope that you're going to see people with education backgrounds people who weren't just players who then jumped right into coaching and they have no pedagogical background they don't know how any of that works that's why these clinics continue to persist right because they're it's it's people who weren't teaching to begin with teaching people who don't teach now (laughs) right yes so like but even then when you think about like educator pd so that's another thing we do in in essential coaching is we offer pd for educators where educators don't want to be told how to do it right they they are the professionals but they're the ones who actually are the ones teaching something and in creating environments where learning is possible right i think if you were to go and take a tour and this is something that i think kyle and i want to do you know probably this time next year in the spring and kip we'd love for you to join us to just go around and help coaches rock up their approach to learning. Yes. Right? I don't yeah. care what X's and O's you run. I couldn't care less. Like right. I, when I first interviewed for a, a head coaching job back at the high school level in Virginia, I have a 600-page playbook. And I remember the football coach, like, leafing through it because he fancied himself an X's and O's expert. And I was like, go ahead, man. Like, it's great, right? Like, it's beautiful. Everything was drawn up in fast model. Everything was printed in color. Like, it looked beautiful. And I got the job, and I'll tell you, I ran maybe one of the out of bounds playbook. But it's just for the look of it, right? right. I don't care what you're going to run. I care about how you're teaching. Yeah. I care yeah. about the learning that happens. Like, I think even with things like exit interviews, how come there's no roundtable on exit interviews? Right. Yeah, first great of- call. Great, especially when we're all up in arms about the transfer portal. Don't you think the exit meeting probably matters? Yeah, great call. Great call. So, like, you're collecting this data just to collect it then? Like, what are you doing with it? Right. Right? Like, how are you using it to inform what's going to happen moving forward? Yep. Or do you just collect it because your AD said you like it? Yes, that's a great point. Talk about, we we talked about, when I was texting you from one of the rooms, and we got into a discussion about how do we actually, and I love that you and Kyle, the anti-clinic you're talking about, well, you guys literally own that room so you can change it. Is that the only way to go about this? Like, how do we, do we need somebody that's going to win the women's final four to be an ECF client to get the true groundswell of change to what we're talking, how do we do this? 
right? I mean, it, it might have to be. It might have to be that. I think, you know, it's it's funny because your experience at the Final Four, we were talking about, for example, like coaches of color in the, in the right. three business meeting, right? And, and you know, when I think about the women's Final Four, how when my friend who's a D3 head coach, um, he went to the business meeting for D3 and there were like four four men in the meeting. I think at some point there are groups that celebrate both of those things. Uh-huh, right, right. right. That there is a lack of X, Y, Z within this room. And I think when you're a divergent thinker, so I would think that you and I are both fairly divergent thinkers yeah. in our own in our own realms. Um, I, you know, Kyle, obviously a divergent thinker. And so when two divergent thinkers or three divergent thinkers get to the room, it's almost like an improv show. Where <laughs> That's a great, I love that. You got something better than that, right? Yeah. We're going to go deeper and deeper and deeper. We might go like, you know, an inch wide, but we're going to go a mile deep into something. Right, and to, yep. to the outside world, it may look like absolute chaos. Like people are like, "What are you talking about?" But to us, as people who actually want to get to the root of why things happen, yes, I think when you try to put one of those people into a sea of drones who just do it the same way over and over again, yeah, like they're going to be seen as, "Nah, this person's like we we can't have this person be running the show." Like. We don't really know. They're kind of like a a a wild card. Like, oh, they're just so different. Like, yeah, but different is good because the current way we're doing this doesn't help anybody. Right. Right. So I think it's going to have to be a combination of those external formulas. You know, in the EC fam, right, going to the final four to like sort of legitimize, like, hey, this works. But like, ultimately, the coaches that we work with, like, whether they go to the to the final four or not they're winning championships every year with being fulfilled yep 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 that's it yeah absolutely absolutely it's, it's a part of me is like selfishly coaches leaving the profession right because they're not getting that fulfillment because they're not fulfilled yes yes and and so wouldn't you rather be fulfilled first and then your championships come instead of being fulfilled by the championship right Great call. Does this have crossover? And I, I know it's all, it's all like you mentioned, and I love how you put it. Like we're all educating, right? And it all, the outcomes depend on the learning we're actually triggering. It made me think of you and your DEI work as well. So you can talk a little bit about your background there. But it made me think of the action continuum you shared with me. Like where are coaches, right? A lot of coaches are still in denying and ignoring or recognizing with no action. They're not really initiating and going forward, right? Like, so talk about that. It had me thinking about our other conversations when you were doing some DEI work recently. Yeah, I mean, I think that that continuum is, like, spot on. I know it's a little bit old, but, like, it has stood the test of time to me. Yes. Um, I think there's a lot of coaches who are in the space of, recognizing and no action because they don't know what to do right because the only thing that's offered to them and so thinking about this even from like a a supremacy perspective for example yeah like if the only thing that's offered to you is this one way of doing it but you recognize the need for something else but you don't know where to go find it you have you don't have the privilege in your life to be able to change it gotcha yeah Right. So I think a lot of coaches recognize that something needs to change and they'll talk about it very authoritatively, like, oh, man, this needs to be different. We need to do this. We need to do that. 
and like, cool, then do it. Yeah. Right. But if you don't have the tools and you don't have the know-how of, of like what to do, then I think obviously that becomes really, really frustrating. So you'd rather just sit there and recognizing and no action. And that's where sort of the bitterness, the jadedness comes into play, especially with coaches who've been doing it. Uh, yes. Like, I've been doing this for X, Y, Z years. No, you've done it one way for X, Y, Z years. So you right. might as well have just done this for one year. Yes. Right. Like you have X, Y, Z number of years of doing this the same way. and You haven't been able to like, be aware of anything else that's going on around you of how this could be better. Um, I think longevity gets confused with prowess. Uh, and ability. Yes. Like I think there's, there's a difference there. And so I, I would say then like, you know, how do we move on that continuum to supporting and encouraging and then educating others? I mean, I think that that first step, of educating yourself yes is is the reflection part right and it's the awareness part of the rock of pathway of like hey maybe there is a better way but i need to stop reading these playbooks and i need to stop downloading this crap yep just to save it to my google drive and then pay for more data i mean google's making a killing right off of people just paying like 2.99 a month or whatever for more data right to keep their digital playbooks that they're never going to look at right you know what I mean? Whereas, like, the biggest, and I post that flex tape meme um, every now and again because that's exactly what it is, right? Like, coaches are feeling unfulfilled. They're having issues with parents. They're having issues with kids not transferring what they're trying to do in practice to the game, and there's a lack of learning and all of these things. Well, like, reflect about yourself first. Yep. Right? What am I doing to cause that to happen? When you guys... Go ahead. When you guys get folks... Wait, what is the, where are people at when they get to essential coaching, when they finally press the, I'm going to DM Kyle or Sean, or I'm going to reach out on the website? Because I find, unfortunately, with teams of men work, it's usually at the bottom of the barrel where something awful has happened. And they can no longer do the no action because they're being forced into action because something's happened. One of their players has made a choice. Um, and I'm thinking about on yours, is it when they, are people so terrified of a losing record? Is that, is that why, is that like, and I trust me, I don't like losing games, but I've had last place finishes, plenty of last place finishes. I'm no longer afraid to try new. That's already happened. Do you find people clinging to, I've never been under 500. I've been 13 and 12. That's my worst. And if I try something new, what if I go under? So is that a barrier to new, like this little bit of survivorship bias? You're not really thriving. You just barely survive, but you don't want it. What's on the other end of trying something different? So it's funny you ask that because I think the majority of the people we work with have consistently won, but they don't feel good about it. Ah, the fulfillment piece then. I got you. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the majority of who presses that send button is people who have the best of intentions. Right. And they feel good about how much success they've had. Obviously, like everybody wants to win more. Um, but I think the reason that they reach out is it's become untenable. Uh, gotcha. Um, yeah. You know, the expectations from parents, the expectations from administration, their own expectations, um, kind of a lack of, of fulfillment with the career that they've chosen because they thought it might, it was going to be something else. Or there's people, and, and I'll give a lot of people credit. So I'm going to give a, a shout out to a guy named Ryan Kimball, 
who just took over as the AD at his school, at Francis Scott Key uh, High School in Maryland. He was the head coach for years. He had gone through a bunch of the different, you know, Twitter coach celebrity types, consulting groups, this, that, and the other. And he sort of just kept getting tugged back into EC. And and this was even before EC started. Like, he connected with Kyle over the Chuck's Challenge. And once we started EC, kind of in the height of the pandemic in 2020, he became a regular. I mean, he's one of our OGs. That's what we call him. And, and, And he's been there from day one. And it's somebody who, over the course of time, I mean, he was dealing with transfers. He was dealing with kids moving in, moving out, couldn't have a season, you know, just any number of different things that were happening in his basketball program. And he ends up, I mean, it just like felt way more fulfilled after the experience, but it took somebody to reach out to him first yeah, and, and to build that and cultivate that relationship. And then there's sort of that trust factor that develops before somebody even you know, clicks on, on pay now or whatever it is. Right. Right. You know what I mean, like, I think that's where Kyle and I do a really good job. And Kyle's fantastic at this of just building that relationship before it's needed. And I think that's where we differentiate ourselves. And I think for you in, in teams of men as well, like you differentiate yourself through doing that first. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to charge you to talk to me. I'm right. Not charge right. You to text me or DM me or whatever. I want to help you. And then if you feel like this is something that you need on a longer term basis, then we can talk about how much that costs. Right. Before I let you go, tell folks, give folks, I want to make sure all the pathways to you, Kyle, to your work, it's on here. Where, where do they go? How do they follow up? If something in our conversation stirs that, man, that's what I've been looking for. Whether it's something you said, whether it's something we mentioned, where, where do they go? Yeah, so if you want to, we'll, we'll go from the beginning to the end here. So if you want to follow Playmakers on Twitter, it is at Playmakers, but the E is a three. So Playmakers with the three instead of an E. And our website for that is PlaymakersLeague.com. If you want to follow Essential Coaching, it is at Coach Essential. And the website is www.essential-coaching.net. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it is at Rastogi, R-A-S-T-O-G-I, underscore Asim, A-S-E-E-M. And if you want to follow, follow Kyle on Twitter, it is at CoachK424. Um, so those are our, our social media handles. You can follow us there, our websites as well. And then obviously, if you want to follow Brandeis Women's Basketball and all the amazing things we are doing up here in Waltham, right outside of Boston, that is at BrandeisWBB on both Twitter and Instagram. You're the man, my friend. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Kip. Content reminder. The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests.